Stay committed to the 90-day world. Once you're on track, occasionally you or members of your leadership team will doubt the need for the quarterly meeting. Occasionally, I have to explain to a client why he or she needs to hold the quarterly meetings when everything is going well. At the end of the session, the client always says, we really needed that. A quarterly meeting is essential whether things are going well or not. You'll need to keep everyone on the same page and make sure you're all on track for your vision by reviewing how you did last quarter and setting next quarter's rocks. If you let a few quarters go by without the meetings, you will end up right back where you started. It's like taking your foot off the gas pedal. You're not going to come to a screeching halt. You'll just coast until you eventually come to a stop. Another common excuse to avoid meetings is that you're all too busy or that things are too chaotic. This is all the more reason to meet. Don't worry about what hasn't been accomplished. You must come together, assess where you are, reset, and take on the next quarter. You will hit the ceiling again. As your numbers start to climb, you will actually feel a difference. You'll start to gain traction and move toward your vision. At some point, though, you will hit another ceiling. When this happens, you have to continue to practice the five leadership abilities. You have to, one, simplify using the EOS tools. Remember that less is more. When everything is important, nothing is important. Two, delegate and elevate by knowing when you and others are at capacity. Three, predict well, both for the long-term and short-term, through your VTO, scorecard, and rock setting, and by following the issues-solving track. Four, systemize by consistently managing your core processes. Five, structure your organization the right way using the accountability chart, which continually evolves as you grow. As a result of continuing to hone these five leadership abilities, you will break through the ceiling every time you hit it. Niche retail is a good example. When I started working with the company four years ago, it hit its first ceiling at around $4 million in revenue. Last year, it hit the ceiling again at $12 million. Niche retail had to make a few changes to its structure and staff, which involved moving its entire customer service department from Minneapolis to Michigan. It also completely overhauled the finance department and implemented a new IT system organization-wide. As a result, it broke through again and is on track for $18 million in revenue this year. Just like niche retail, you too will grow until you hit another ceiling. If you're willing to stay disciplined and continually focus on the six key components, you will break through the next one as well. Bigger isn't always better. As we said earlier, growth for growth's sake is normally a mistake. Being a $100 million company is not all it's cracked up to be. In Good to Great, Jim Collins alludes to the fact that we will never know the greatest company in America because it may be some $10 million business in middle America that doesn't want to be known. You have to ask yourself this. Would you rather have a $10 million company with a 20% profit 
or a $100 million company with a 2% profit. It's the same net profit with considerably more work at a higher complexity. The answer should be a no-brainer. Don't get me wrong, though. There are great $100 million companies, even great $100 billion companies, but they're the exception, not the rule. Unless you have a really good reason to go to $100 million, why not become the best $10 million company there is? After hitting their next ceiling at around $19 million and 70 people, Tyler Smith and his partner shocked their community, me included, by deciding to shut down niche retail. In a very real, open, and honest interview with Tyler, I learned that the number one reason for his decision is that he felt he was no longer living in his unique ability. He felt the company had outgrown what he and his partner had wanted. They had ridden a wave of ego, hype, and excitement for nine years, and it had been a heck of a ride. We were like rock stars at trade shows. It was intoxicating, Tyler says. We got addicted to the money and the size. As he looks back, he remembers that Niche was supposed to be a lifestyle company, but had grown too fast and they couldn't get out of their own way. Tyler loves technology, computers, and the Internet. He found himself with 70 people at the helm of the company in an industry he didn't like and in a role he didn't like. I realized I no longer wanted to be an integrator, he says. He felt unfulfilled and bored. To worsen matters, our industry was under attack by competitors like Walmart, Amazon, and overfunded new companies. We also got hit with a recession. It was a triple whammy. I don't know what we would have done without the EOS tools on this ride. They're what held everything together. Now, one year later, Tyler and his partner have started a new company that he feels put them 100% in their unique abilities. Their company is called Niche Next and partners with companies to optimize their web sales. I don't ever want to manage another employee, Tyler says. I'm happier and more energized, and I'll make more money. The message is that building a great organization isn't for everyone. Being an integrator isn't for everyone. You have to know what you want. In his book, Small Giants, Companies That Choose to Be Great Instead of Big, Bo Burlingham illustrates the value of staying small. He shares countless real-world stories of companies that chose to stay small and private. These companies shunned the chance to go public or receive unlimited amounts of money to invest in growth in order to protect and preserve what they'd built. They define themselves by their passion for their products and their commitment to their employees, customers, and community by embracing a clarity and loyalty to their purpose. Compartmentalizing With EOS implemented, everything has its place. In other words, every issue, priority, action, or idea that is longer term than 90 days is listed on your VTO issues list. Anything that must be accomplished this year becomes a goal. If it needs to get done this quarter and will take weeks or months to accomplish, it becomes a rock. Any issues that arise during the quarter and must be solved now go on to your weekly Level 10 Leadership Meeting Issues list. Issues that are departmental in nature get pushed down to the appropriate Departmental Meeting Issues list. 
and any that are one to two week action items go on the to-do list in your level 10 meetings, creating a simple system for managing all goals, rocks, issues, and to-dos. Same page meetings. When you have a partnership, it's crucial for the greater good of the company, its culture, and people, that the leadership is 100% on the same page. This also applies to all visionary integrator relationships, even if they are not partnerships. When you're not in sync, your people will know it. As with parenting, the kids know when their parents are not getting along as much as they try to hide it. The same goes with partners in business. In these situations, I prescribe a same-page meeting. Every month, you meet for a few hours and reconnect the circles. You need to solve all of your issues, share anything that is angering you, and express any concerns. These meetings are not always peaceful, but you will clear the air and resolve issues. The objective of the meeting is to communicate your thoughts, listen to the other's concerns, and solve all issues before bringing them into the business. You must also maintain a united front in front of all employees. Take the example of Todd Sash and his partner, Rich Broder. Early on in their process, I prescribed the same-page meeting for them, and they loved it. They have been holding same-page meetings every month for almost four years now, and their company has experienced explosive growth. If you can't get on the same page, you might want to consider counseling or coaching. This practice is not uncommon, and mediation can be very effective. If you've tried everything and feel there is no hope, it may be time to part ways, although this is very rare. Generally, with counseling, you can get back on the same page, and the relationship will become better than ever. I've had several clients end their partnerships after clarity of vision and accountability and discipline were put in place. Some partners just can't handle what it takes to build a strong company. If you're determined to go to the next level, some won't be ready for the change involved. Such a situation occurred with a new client when the decision to part ways occurred prior to completing three sessions. In the first session, it was apparent that the partnership no longer worked. The partners, who we'll call Jim and Tim, wanted two totally different environments. Jim wanted to keep the status quo, and Tim wanted to leave its chaos behind and build a solid company. In their second session, the vision was clarified solely by Tim because Jim wanted nothing to do with it. Jim didn't even show up for the third. They had sat down after the second session and agreed to part ways. The partners of a different company realized their diverging viewpoints in the first session, struggled through the second session, and canceled the third session. They consulted their financial people and split up their assets into two separate companies. They now run their own companies as sole proprietors. Even more complicated was a new potential client in which the partners were also brothers. When I entered the conference room for the initial meeting, I found only one brother waiting for me. He explained that after the meeting, I would have to meet with the other brother down the hall and go through the exact same presentation. They wouldn't even sit in the same room together. So I did both meetings more out of curiosity than anything else. 
As you can imagine, we never moved forward and any advice fell on deaf ears. Fortunately, these painful partner situations occur only about 5% of the time. If you're faced with one, follow the same page meeting process. If there is no hope, the answer is clear. Think about the long-term view, and you will see that by separating, you will be better off in the long run. Take a clarity break. Keeping your head clear, your confidence high, and your focus strong are vital in maintaining forward momentum. Most leaders spend most of their time overwhelmed, tired, and buried in the day-to-day -day routine, unable to see beyond tomorrow. As a result, they don't solve problems as well as they could, they don't lead their people as well as they could, and they're not a good example for them. Great leaders have a habit of taking quiet thinking time. That means escaping the office on a regular basis for an hour or so. By working on yourself and the business, you will rise above feeling frustrated and overwhelmed to a clear-headed and confident state. As a result, when you come back into the business, you will be laser-focused and in the right leadership frame of mind. You can do this wherever works best for you. It should never be in your office. You have to go to a place where your thoughts are uninterrupted. You can do this daily, weekly, or monthly, whichever works best for you. Some clients have a favored place in the morning on the way to work. Sam Cup would do it 30 minutes in his den every morning. I do it once a week for two hours in a coffee shop. I knew a man that would take about a half a day every month at the library, and that did the trick for him. Such free time to think is vital. As Henry Ford said, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably the reason why so few engage in it. Take the opportunity to review your VTO, review your plans, read, think strategically, look at the EOS model, or fill out the organizational checkup. What I recommend for someone that doesn't know what to do is to sit with a blank legal pad and a pen. I promise you, through this simple exercise, all of the right thoughts will come to mind. It's important that none of the work you're doing is busy work. This is not an opportunity for playing catch-up. After taking a clarity break, you will come back into the business clear, focused, and confident. You'll be ready for anything. You'll solve problems better, you'll be clearer with your people, and you'll set a better example. When you're having trouble solving a problem, check out for a clarity break. Take a deep breath and put the necessary time into thinking clearly through the problem. To start, pick a one-hour block of time next week. Block it out and do it. If you wait around for the right time to appear, it never will. It must be an appointment that you schedule with yourself. Give it a try. Just do one. I have yet to have one person tell me that it was a waste of time. You might be wondering where you're going to find an hour. The amazing paradox is that the hour you spend will save you more than an hour later due to the clarity that it creates. You end up being much more efficient and effective. Shiny Stuff when the business is really humming and on track, you may get a little fidgety and start to get distracted by shiny stuff. This mostly happens to visionaries. 
Here are two discipline strategies to keep you focused and engaged. First, find a challenge inside the business. Focus on your acres of diamonds. Put your energy into something that is going to perpetuate the existing vision. Dive into cultural projects that will boost the core values and the people. Experiment with some new products or services in line with the company's core focus. Go interview your top clients and really dig into what is working and what is not working for them. Take employees to lunch and ask them the same kind of questions. Test current products and services and make sure they are still relevant. All of these activities will keep you stimulated and further the vision of the company. Second, if you're starting to become distracted by shiny stuff that is outside your core focus and your leadership is supportive, then go explore. You must, however, protect your existing business, making sure the integrator is comfortable with your reduced time commitment. You cannot drain any necessary resources or energy that the current company needs to achieve its vision. If your new business idea is a good one, and it doesn't fit in the current core focus, consider starting a new company with its own resources. Too many times, a new idea is incorporated into the current company and it's the kiss of death due to stretched resources such as people, cash, and time. Even when both are great business ideas, they are destined to fail when they do not have the resources they need. Star Tracks a social event company that provides entertainment for parties and events is a good example. Along the way, they stumbled into corporate event planning, which demands a different clientele, culture, and model. Nonetheless, they decided to pursue it. After flat growth and struggling to run two businesses in one over a three-year period, they realized it was time to separate the two. The dual-headed company was creating too much complexity and draining its resources. They found an integrator to run the social business, made him a partner, and then separated it. They suddenly had two very focused businesses with an integrator at the helm of each one. StarTracks is now running well and growing. The second company has been renamed Pulse220 and has grown 40% each of the last two years. If you're getting distracted by shiny stuff, choose one discipline and stick with it. The Road to Hannah Some time ago, a friend of mine and his wife visited a major Maui tourist attraction called The Road to Hannah. It comprised a long and winding road that, over the course of hours, took them through breathtaking scenery, waterfalls, cliffs, mountains, and beaches. At the end, there was nothing but the small town of Hanna, with one gas station. When they finally arrived, my friend's wife was very upset. She said, We drove all of this way for this? She missed the point. The road to Hanna is about the journey, not the destination. Don't make the same mistake with the EOS process. The journey of building a great business is not about the destination at all. Of course, you want it to be highly profitable and generate wealth for yourself and others. Yet, along the way, you need to enjoy the lives that you'll touch. You need to get excited about the value you'll create for customers, enjoy the pure pleasure of playing the game of business, and be able to take pride in the self-perpetuating system you've built.
Once you have created a business that doesn't require you to crank every single gear, an entity all its own, you'll have more freedom for yourself. The journey should be enjoyable. If you're racing to get to the end of the journey, you'll be sorely disappointed. By embracing this journey-focused approach, you're going against the grain of what most believe is right. As a result, it's hard to understand the truth. As Tal Ben-Shahar, Ph.D., states in his book, Happier, Learn the Secrets to Daily Joy and Lasting Fulfillment, society rewards results, not processes, arrivals, not journeys. The irony is that if you're able to fight society's pull, you will then enjoy all of the journey's rewards. My closing on all my correspondence is stay focused. If every person could just do that, they would be happier and more successful. We live in a world that inundates us with information. There is so much shiny stuff that it's hard to concentrate. If I could leave you with one message, it's that. Stay focused. As for what to focus on, that's your decision. It all starts with answering the eight questions.